No mai, Heidi Mai, Gite Nei Hotaka. Welcome to the panel on RNZ National. Wallace Chapman with you this afternoon. Turning our attention to Tarafti first up, and whilst the rain has abated the suns out somewhat, people are still recovering from the incessant rains. People say they have an overwhelming task. Ahead of them, we check in with a couple of locals there just after four. Rob Campbell was sacked from Tefatu Auto Health NZ yesterday afternoon. What's the significance of this? What will the fallout be? We have long-time health commentator Ian Powell on that issue. Big news today. Uh, and many New Zealand households are feeling this financial squeeze. Latest data shows nearly 12% of Kiwis uh, are in arrears. And... Also, today, how would you feel about your son or daughter listening to their headphones in class? Christ's College have banned headphones. Good or not so good? And on this day, 50 years ago, a new moon rises over rock music. Yeah, now there are some who will be profoundly influenced by this. For example, I lived in a flat in Dunedin called the Pink Flat, dedicated entirely to Pink Floyd. They painted the door pink, and you can still go and see it. It's at 3 Clyde Street. So Pink Floyd fans, I want to hear from you today, 50 years on from Dark Side of the Moon. What was the impact on you? Text me 2101. You can email the panel at rnz.co.nz. With me this afternoon, Lavina Good, co-founder of Automotai uh, Social Supermarket and Sports Broadcaster. Lavina, kia ora. Kia ora, kōrua, kia ora motu. Uh, nice to chat with you and Connor this afternoon, Wallace. Yes, it's been a while, Lavina, so nice to have you back. Also, haven't been on for a while, Connor English, Director of Silver Eye, a government relations firm and Chairman of Agribusiness NZ. Kia ora, Connor. G'day, how are you? Very well. So, Connor and Lavina with us this afternoon and 50 years of dark side of the moon. Did it have a profound influence on your music listening? We talk about that today. But to this, this is interesting. Uh, According to researcher Andrew Allen, one of the biggest questions we should be asking in regards to climate change is, can our crops keep up? He says that our high-value crops are going to keep facing dramatic challenges as we experience warmer winters and even hotter Summers. What's the solution? Andrew Allen is a professor of biological sciences at the University of Auckland and the lead researcher at Plant and Food Crown Research Institute. Professor Allen, welcome. Um, kia ora, Wallace, and kia ora, panel. Hi yeah, there. great to have you here. It's, it's, this is interesting research, eh, and pretty, actually, pretty significant, you know, how to plant crops. Here's one example, right? So you've got Kiri Kiri. There are you know, big fruit and produce region, there are already no winter nights colder than four degrees Celsius. And you need those chilly nights in winter, crucial for crops, right? Absolutely, Wallace. Um, before I start uh, on the science of that, I'd just like to acknowledge the terrible um, tragedy that occurred in the, in the upper North Island and middle North Island over the last mm. few weeks. It's, it's been terrifying. Yeah. Um, those sort of 
acute events are, are going to, we believe, happen more often. Uh, but the other insidious sort of thing that's that's happening is that things are warming up gently and we're losing winter nights. And a, a lot of our crops detect chill units. They, they The middle of winter, they're, they're ticking away saying, yep, I've had about 40 hours of cold nights and that means in spring I'm going to flower. Um, so the little bud midwinter is actually quite active making that decision. If this, the winter's been too warm, then the buds will burst as leaves rather than flowers. And all our, all our fruit and veg are based on those flowering vents. If they just produce leaves, then we don't get any fruit. Alan, we have a panel, of course, with us. And shall we start with Connor? Because you'll be acutely aware of this issue, I can imagine, Connor. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, plants need the right environment for their specific makeup, uh, their specific genetic makeup, and uh, you know, the climate's obviously really important to that, and as is soil. So you, you know, in New Zealand, we've got a diverse soil base, we've got a diverse climate, and that's why some trees and plants grow in some areas and don't grow in others. So I think we're going to have to be cognizant of that and plant the right things in the right places, uh, and be cognizant also of the changing environment. I'm looking here. I mean, we have 127 markets overseas, uh, Alan. You know, people love to eat the likes of apples, avocados, kiwi fruit. Will a changing climate take a toll on some of those key species? Absolutely. Um, and they're high-value crops. You know, we're, we're mm. making really good premium from our um, uh, high-nutritious you know, um, wonderfully looking, high quality fruit and veg. And if uh, predictions are right that we gently warm up, we'll have to grow them somewhere else or we'll have to retool and grow different types of, of, of plant species. It's a challenge. Lavina. Yeah, it's interesting, Connor, mentioning in terms of adapting to climate change might mean finding new and right places to find and develop the crop but I'm also wondering if we need to think a little bit outside of the square like what's happening in the UK with vertical farming Uh, they're producing Mm. crops every day of the year and there's no pesticides not a lot of human contact and unaffected by weather so whether or not that's something that we would consider here I'm interested you know if Connor thinks that's maybe a good idea Mm. that's something that we have to look at in the future around the panel Matt Connie, you first. Oh, yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, vertical farming is, you know, it's bringing new technologies to growing systems. And, and one of the other advantages, as well as those ones you've talked about, uh, is you can really shorten the supply chain. So uh, I, I think vertical farming is going to grow massively in the future. And I've never heard much about this, actually. I must uh, look it up. Uh, uh, Andrew, you want to comment on adaptation? Absolutely. There's, the, the environment is gently shifting because of because of the warming temperatures. Um, I think one of my uh, strongest um, areas of research is gently shifting the, the genomics, the genetics of a plant as well, and that is breeding. I think we need to breed new cultivars as quickly as possible and provide them to our, to our farmers and, and orchardists um, as soon as we can. Very, very good. Just finally, before you you, you go, um, you, uh, you some of your work has been cited, highly cited internationally, um, regarding uh, mapping the gene that decides the red colour in apples, uh, and it's been cited because the world wants fruit and veggies with strong red 
coloration. Just in a nutshell, explain that. Oh, well, this is about 15 years ago. We did some really neat work on on the changing color of fruit. Uh, it's a, there's a major switch that we studied that, that switches, a say, a green apple into a red apple. And discovering that, we, we could use that information in all sorts of different um, fruit and veg, including like the, the red kiwi fruit that you're starting to see in the supermarkets. Yeah, so it's the same um, switch in, in different plant species. And people love colors. And the really cool thing about different colors is that they're healthy for you. So, so yeah, it's been a win-win for that, that research. It was really good fun. We're going to bring you back and talk exclusively about coloration and fruit, as I find it quite fascinating. But for now, Professor Andrew Allen there um, from the Biological Sciences Department at Auckland University. Uh, yes, your uh, dark side of the moon memories coming through, Barbara says, on this day in the 72, two friends came to visit, gave my husband and I earphones and told us to lie on the floor with our eyes closed. Next thing we heard was dark side of the moon. <laughs> Never heard anything like it before. We still enjoy listening to it. Well, we have someone from that very... We have someone from the Pink Floyd flat in Dunedin joining us. Uh, I flatted him with him 35 years ago, and for the first time 35 years later, I'm talking to him at 4.30. All right, time for I've Been Thinking. Lavina, Good, take it away. Uh, he pitaka, ranga. I've been thinking about Pharmac, actually, and um, CGM funding. Um, I've been thinking about the 26,000 Kiwis that are struggling to live with type 1 diabetes in Aotearoa. I've been thinking Pharmac has had CGMs on their radar for several years and I've only just decided to seek commercial offers for the supply of these devices, which is fabulous. It's taken a very long time. I've been thinking about the marriage breakups, the people leaving Aotearoa, the relentless sleepless nights for Fano that have to live with this disease, which has no cure and no known cause. I've also been thinking about Sarah, who I met recently, who's got a couple of kids with type 1, and they share a device throughout the year. So she spends every two hours, every night of the week, making sure that one of her children either won't die in a coma or won't destroy their organs in the future. So... I've been thinking Pharmac need to read a petition which has been signed by over 26,000 people on change.org and I've really been thinking it's time to have CGMs funded here like they are in Australia, in Canada and the UK. That is what I've been thinking and I'm pretty well hoping that the Mortal is thinking along the same lines as well. All right, good, uh, Lavina. So, by the way, those are continuous glucose monitors and uh, for those who don't know, the monitors are the size of a mobile phone, I think, and they operate via a small sensor uh, attached to a patient's arm. Very good. All right, uh, I've been thinking Connor English. Uh, well, well, let's look as well as the black caps winning by one run. Um, and Amazing, demonst- eh? demonstrating the importance of attitude. Um, I've actually been thinking about the speed of time uh, and how last year it just seemed to go so fast but took so long. And, and by the end of it, everyone was pretty, um, I was going to say buggered, but tired. Um, and now we're into the third month of this year already, <laughs> uh, after about what seems like only a month. Uh, and I'm just trying to figure out, are we actually having less seconds in the minutes or less minutes in the hour you know, because when I was at primary school, it used to take years to get to school holidays. <laughs> now a month seems to pass in a couple of weeks. 
Oh, so, Connor, you're <clears throat> capturing the zeitgeist, you know, Pink Floyd, Dark to the Moon, and <laughs> Time. It's just so <laughs> trippy, Connor. You're just on such a wonderful trip. Uh, yeah, well, I, I, I don't know whether it's a function of being a bit older or, or what it is, but it just feels like time is going faster, so I've been thinking I'd better make good use of it. <laughs> Because it's just the, this year's just oh. going to go whoosh, just like we last need, year. Did. We need whoosh. a whole hour dedicated to time. Yeah. Uh, wonderful, two wonderful. I've been thinking to you both. What do you make of uh, Connors? I've been thinking. You know, when you when you're five, the distance between birthdays is so long. Mm. But when you're eighty, the distance is so short. <laughs> so many Pink Floyd's. Uh, there was only one way to listen to Pink Floyd's "Dark Side of the Moon" fifty years ago, and that is, in this person's word, stoned. In a darkened room. <laughs> You're on the panel. RNZ National.